I heard one of the greatest sounds this morning. Wow, look at all these kids. Yeah. Heard one of the greatest sounds this morning, and it has to do with those kids. Uh, sitting in my office and the excitement of our children going to Sunday school. Oh, it was beautiful to hear those kids going into their classrooms, and, and I don't know who was more excited about getting in one specific classroom, the kids or Lori Sherman. Uh, she was just as excited about getting into that class as those kids were and getting back into that. It was just beautiful. And then I made my way down to this end, and I saw this fellowship hall full uh, with a class of adults, and it's just so beautiful to see getting started back with all of our ministries. Praise the Lord that we're able to do this, and so, so thankful for that. And um, boy, I think we just, you know, we've all been hungry, haven't we? We've been hungry to get back to doing what the Lord has called us to do, and today is, is the first step, getting back into that. Well, where did we leave off? If you want to turn back into the book of Genesis, we're going to be at chapter 40 in just a moment. Uh, took a little break during the Easter messages of our story of the, the book of Genesis with the story of Joseph specifically. And uh, we're looking at the idea of living out God's dream. Now, uh, that's really saying God has a plan. He has a will for each one of us. And, you know, as parents, we have dreams for our, our children and those we love. I believe God has dreams for us. He has a plan that he wants to see us fulfill, each and every one of us. It's not going to be the same, but being that Joseph was the dreamer, and uh, even today we're going to see how dreams play a part of this story in Joseph's life. Uh, we just kind of entitled this, these messages, Living Out God's Dream. And so today we're looking at chapter 40 of Joseph. So let's recall just a little bit. You, you know the story. Joseph has these 11 brothers, and he is his father's favorite. And so uh, he gets this beautiful robe, this, the coat of many colors that I think we learned it as a kid. And then um, his brothers despise him. They hate him. And they, they're going to kill him. And then they decide, well, we'll just throw him in a pit. And then they can't leave him there, so they pick him out. They sell him into slavery. And now he's taken to the nation of Egypt. And at that time, Egypt would have been the most powerful nation in the world, the richest nation in the world. And so he's taken there. He is sold to the, the man Potiphar, who is the captain of the Egyptian guard. And due to his integrity his morals, his work ethic. He is raised up in that home to be in charge of everything. Potiphar puts him in charge of everything in his house and yet gives him a warning and says, everything except my wife. I believe with all of my heart, Potiphar knew what his wife was capable of. And so he warns Joseph about this. Be careful around my wife. And of course, she begins to tempt him and begins to entice him, and yet he does not give in to that. And because of her anger, because he doesn't give in to her wishes, her desires, she falsely accuses him. And that's where we left off last time. So let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 40, and let's read this together. 
Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker um, of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. I, I, I want to highlight this sentence here. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended to them. You notice that no matter where Joseph is placed, he begins to rise. He begins to show what kind of man he really is, not only in the house of Potiphar, but now even in a prison. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream that night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered. But there is no one here, no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, and this is very, very important if you want to highlight this or underline this. Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. Another point to underline. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh. And get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in this dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of my basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat at your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph and forgot him. Uh, one of my favorite pastors and authors tells a great story in one of his books uh, that he, his parents, uh, his brother and his two sisters were traveling and much like my family, when we would travel, there was always one spot that we loved to stop at. And I remember my mom, actually, I was talking to her about it this week. She said, every time we would stop there, the first thing you would say would be, can I get just a little something? 
you know, just a little something. And that, that place, and some of you are going to remember this, some will have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about, Stuckies. Does everybody remember Stuckies? Oh, I loved Stuckies, you know? It was such a great place. And, and so he talks about going to Stuckies uh, with his parents, his brother, and his two sisters. And while he was there, he needed to use the restroom. And the family got in the car and left him at Stuckies. He was forgotten at Stuckies. And he said they got about 20 miles down the road and they realized they were missing something. And they took a vote. And my mother broke the tie and they came back and got me. Well, maybe you weren't forgotten at Stuckies, uh, but this has certainly been a year where people have felt forgotten. Um, even in the secular world, we are seeing advertisements and promotions to make a, a conscious effort more than ever to reach out to people who may be feeling forgotten. You know, the, this quarantine, this pandemic that we've been a part of has caused people to not be allowed to be out, be very sequestered. And it's in those times that it's easy to feel forgotten. And this has been that kind of year. But maybe, you know, your life has been one of those where you felt like you've always been overlooked, that you were forgotten. You know, um, I, I would hear this occasionally, you know, I got passed over for the homecoming queen or the homecoming court, or I got cut from the team, you know, just passed over. Or maybe you knew I'm overly qualified for this job. I've put my time in and yet you were forgotten because someone else was put into that position. You know, I've heard and, and talked with several families of, uh, that they've taken in children because these children were just neglected and forgotten. And these families have taken them in and, and the, the, the trauma that those children have been through and it's years. Uh, some never get over that trauma of being forgotten by their own parents. There are those that are parents that I've sat in my office with in tears when they pray, my kids have forgotten me. I, I never hear from them. I never know what's going on in their lives. They have just forgotten me. And that's not just in daily life. That crosses over sometimes into the church. You know, um, the, the pastor said, we're going to uh, have every week for the next six weeks, we're going to have a different person sharing a testimony. And I've not been contacted yet to share my testimony. Or, you know, they're doing the Christmas cantata again, and this will probably be the 10th year that I will not get to be a shepherd. Nobody here has ever said anything like that, right? We all have times when we feel like we've been forgotten, looked over, just passed by. The worst of any of that, though, is, and I believe all of us have been in these kinds of positions in our life as well, in which we feel like we've been forgotten by God. We've come to this place where we ask the question, God, where are you? Where are you? You just feel totally passed over, totally neglected, because you feel like God has forgotten you. 
Is he listening to my prayers? Has he heard my heart's cry? You know, earlier in our service, we read a beautiful passage of scripture that David wrote. It was Psalm 139. And it just talked about how, you know, God, you have not forgotten me. You know, if, if I go to the heavens, there you are. If I go to even the place of the dead, there you are. If I fly over the oceans, you are with me. In the darkest times, you are with me. And yet, if we just backed ourselves up two chapters in the book of Psalms to Psalm 137, you will find David who's crying and whining because he feels like God has forgotten his people. People. We are living in a foreign land. How long will God allow his people to live in this foreign land? We've cried out for years. He has forgotten us. We have all been in that position at times in our life. But nobody could say that more so than this young man, Joseph. He's been mistreated by his family. He's been beaten by them, put in a pit. He's been sold into slavery. He's been falsely accused. And now he's sitting in a prison cell. No one, I believe, has more right to say, where is God than this young man? And yet I want to encourage you today by his story, because I believe he can teach us some great lessons when you have felt forgotten especially forgotten by God. But even if you feel forgotten by others, I want to look at this young man's life and then maybe we can be encouraged by that as well. First thing I want to look at is this, that Joseph never forgot God. He never forgot his God. Joseph was in a nation that had forgotten God. Okay, uh, this was a nation that actually had many, many gods with a small g. Uh, they had a god of the sun, a god of the moon, a god of the water, a god of the land, a god of the animals. Uh, it's kind of like the Hindus today where there's over 330 million gods in the Hindu religion. That's kind of the way the Egyptians were. If you had something, there was a god for it. And if you were doing well in your life, if, if you, know, you had good health and you had good riches and things were going well, then those gods were blessing you. But if things weren't going so well, then those gods were cursing you for some reason. Joseph would have been living every day in an environment full of people cursing their gods because they felt like they were being cursed by them being in prison. Things aren't good. My gods, they're cursing me. And so they would return that favor and curse their gods. But if you'll remember, one of those passages of Scripture that I said, this is an important sentence, underline this, highlighted in some way, Joseph proves that he had not forgotten his God. These two men have dreams. And Joseph goes to them and inquires, why, why are you so depressed? Why are you so discouraged? Why are you, you know, distraught? And they said, well, we had dreams and there's no one here to interpret. What is Joseph's immediate reply? Do not interpretations belong to God? Not a God. He didn't even say a God of interpretations or dreams. He said, do not interpretations belong to God? What is your dream? That proves to me he had not given up. 
He had not forgotten who God was and that God was still a part of his life, still active in his life. Even in this dark cell, God had not left him and he had not forgotten God. Really, that had been his life. Joseph had remained faithful in every step of his life. My family hates me, but I will be faithful. My brothers want to kill me, but I will be faithful. My brothers threw me in a pit and lied to my father about me, but I will be faithful. I've been sold into slavery in a foreign land, but I will be faithful. I have been falsely accused, now thrown into prison, but I will be faithful. Is that the cry that each of us can make? Because every one of us can go through our records of life, as Joe talked about, and think of all the times when things haven't gone well for us. But was I faithful? Was I faithful when someone hated me? Was I faithful when I was mistreated? When I was faithful and I felt like a foreigner living in a foreign land? Was I faithful when I even was falsely accused? Was I faithful even when I felt in my darkest times like I was in a prison? Have I been faithful? There will be times where we question, where is God? But we've got to never forget him. And we have to be faithful. Well, let's look on here. The second thing that I believe Joseph teaches us in this story is that God never forgot Joseph. God had never forgotten Joseph. Just look at the hand of God here in just this story. We've been looking at several here. This is the fourth in this series, but look at it just in this story. And I want to use a couple of words. One, I've tried to quit using in my vocabulary and replace it with another. And that word that I've tried to quit using is coincidence. Uh, I heard a great definition one time of coincidence that coincidence is just when God chooses to remain silent. And the word I try to replace it with is providence. You know, um, there's so many things that we just say is a coincidence, you know. Um, just you, you look at your life, you know. Boy, what a coincidence that, um, you know, there was a family event and Joel and Debbie were at our house, and Michelle just happened to mention, just what a coincidence, she just happened to mention, well, you know, Sean's willing to fill in if you guys need a, a pastor for a Sunday, and Joel, just by coincidence, oh, that's, that's a pretty good idea, I'll call him and see, you know, if he wants to come preach a couple of Sundays. Boy, what a coincidence! You know, that's providence. It's the hand of God being at work. Even something that you guys probably wouldn't even know about is when we attended here uh, a couple of years ago, um, Josh was coming to candidate as pastor, uh, as associate pastor. And he and I had a good talk and conversation. And, you know, one of the things that was even asked of me when I was attending there was, you know, you've been in ministry a long time. If he needed somebody to talk to and kind of mentor him a little bit, would you be available? What a coincidence that now I'm the pastor that works with him. That's the providence of God. 
we use that term, you know, so so loosely and so crazy. You know, I met this person and then this happened and then God led us this way. What a coincidence. Or, you know, my kid got an A on a page. Well, that is probably coincidence there, but, <laughs> you know. And don't get crazy. I don't believe that, you know, you go to Walmart and, you, you know, you get the place right up front. Oh, the providence of God, open up. No, you know, I don't believe that. But, you know, let's give credit where credit is due. Okay. And so I want you to look at just this story. God knew the exact time that Joseph would be in that prison. Well before he even ever had a coat of many colors made for him by his father, well before his brothers began to hate him, and God places this dream in Joseph about how his 11 brothers, you know, the stars and the moon and all, will bow down to him. Well before any of that ever happened, God knew the exact hour to the minute of this will be the time that Joseph is going to be in that prison. And it's also the exact time that the king of Egypt will be upset with two of his servants and send them to prison. And what a coincidence that it'll be the exact time in which the two will have a dream on the same night in which they'll need someone to interpret. What a coincidence. God knew it from the beginning. He hadn't forgotten Joseph. He knew, I'm putting you here for a reason. You may not see that yet, but I need you there now. In that prison, I need you there. I've not forgotten you. It's not a coincidence. It's my hand at work. It's provident. God knew the exact thing. Do you really think that it was a coincidence? Absolutely not. Years ago, we were... Um, I was going to go to a meeting, and and I don't know why, but for some reason, uh, Michelle went to the church with me that night. I don't know if she had something going on or was just meeting somebody. I don't remember that part, but for some reason, we went together, so she was in my office while I was in this meeting. Now, the chairman of the committee that was meeting had contacted me earlier that day, and he said, I need to, I'm going to be a little bit late would you mind just going ahead and telling the vice chair to start the meeting? I'll be there shortly. Sure, no problem. So we went into the meeting, and the sad part about this is we actually had a guest who was coming in to talk to the church about some things, uh, some financial things with the church and ways we could help and do some things better. So we brought this guest in. So he was there, and and um, we all came in, and there we're getting ready. Well, I knew the chairman's not here yet. So the vice chairman. So as we got ready to get started, I said, our chairman's going to be a few minutes late. He called me earlier today and asked, would I get the vice chairman to go ahead and start the meeting? So would you go ahead and do that? Some, that made somebody mad. So this is what was said in their anger as they stood up and slammed everything on the table. You are not the chairman of this committee, and you need to keep your mouth shut. And then picked up all their stuff and stormed out of the room. Now, this friend that we had brought in that was going to talk to us, he was British. And I looked at him. I said, 
there's a long story here. And I just remember him saying, I don't need to know. <laughs> it was great. So we had our meeting and, and everything. Well, after the meeting, I went down to my office. Well, what I didn't know is that they, as they left, the lady that cleaned our church, who was a wonderful, spirit-filled lady, good friend of ours, saw that person leave and heard them using some very flowery language as they left the church. And so um, <laughs> she was talking to Michelle, kind of telling her what had happened. And so I go to my office, and I'll never, ever forget what this lady said. Well, this didn't surprise God. It may have shocked you, and it may have surprised everybody else on that committee, but it sure didn't surprise God. He knew. And I've thought about that many, many times since then. Joseph, you're in prison. Where are you, God? Do you think I'm surprised by this? Have you ever thought it's my hand at work? Providential hand. I have not forgotten you. Joseph never forgot God. God never forgot Joseph. And God has never and will never forget you. I love these five words. I think these are five of the most powerful words in the Bible. It's from the prophet Micah, chapter 7, verse 7. And he just says this, My God will hear me. My God will hear me. Micah 7, 7. They're going to war. They're outnumbered. There looks like no hope for God's people. And Micah stands up and says, My God will hear me. He has not forgotten us. Isaiah said this in 42, 21. Oh, Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. And let me share a few ways that it's proven that God has not forgotten us. And Joel had no clue. I, I opened my sermon as he was sharing about his uh, communion meditation. I'm like, Michelle, look. God has not forgotten you because he created you to be his own. Ezekiel said this, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. We belong to him. He's not forgotten us. He owns us. He, he created us to be his very own. That was the original plan from the beginning. He has not forgotten us. Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians. He said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor him with your body. He is with us always. The Holy Spirit infills us and lives and dwells within us. We, we read earlier from the um, the living Bible, that was the, I chose that. I just like the way it was worded. And that's a paraphrase. You know, it's a man, he, he would read the whole section and he would kind of put that into his own words. It's not really a literal translation. And somebody else did that years later, Eugene Peterson with the message. And, and there's only one real part of the message that I have a problem with. It's in the book of, of John. And um, when he says, you know, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, you know, he says, and, and the word became human and it moved into the neighborhood. 
And the reason I, don't, I thought it was like the Mr. Rogers gospel, you know? And the reason I don't like that is because there are people in my neighborhood I don't know. They don't know me. But when you say the word became flesh and it dwells within us, that means that he knows me. He created me. He lives within me. He's not forgotten you because he lives within you. He has not forgotten you because he purchased you with an incredibly high price. Colossians 1.14, God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven our sin. No higher price could be paid. And that was the price that Jesus paid to purchase you. He has not forgotten you. He has purchased you with the highest price that could be paid. He has purchased you. God has not forgotten you because he continually lays himself out for us. The Bible, you know, Jesus referred to himself in the Gospels as being the good shepherd. And in those days, it was a little different. Um, actually, and, and I will preach this. I promised my, my, my wife I would. Uh, there's a series on the 23rd Psalm that is probably our favorite that the Lord's allowed me to preach. And you, you really learn more about how shepherds worked in biblical days during, in that series than they do today. Uh, shepherds worked very closely together. You had your flock, but there would be other flocks. And, and really, the 23rd Psalm is actually a one-year process in the shepherd's life of traveling, moving his sheep, providing for his sheep, caring for them, and bringing them all the way back to home. And so um, many of those would use the same sheepfold, the pen that you know, the sheep would be held in. Many shepherds would bring their flocks in, and they would care for them there all together. And so in one sheepfold, there may be several flocks and several shepherds. And when they would stay there for several days, shepherds would rotate because it would usually be a pen about 10 feet high and a large fenced-in area, but there would only be one opening to this area, uh, to that, that sheepfold. And so the, the shepherds would actually take turns in the night, and they would lay themselves across the gate so that nothing could come in or out without that shepherd knowing and being aware of it. And then Jesus comes and he tells us, I am the good shepherd. He is that one who has laid himself out at that gate to know all the comings and goings of every sheep that goes in and out of that sheepfold. He knows, he is aware of it. He is continually laying himself out for us. If he's doing those things, if he created us to be his own, if he lives and dwells within us, if he is continually, even to this day, laying himself out for us, then you can't convince me that he's forgotten us. Joseph never forgot God. God never forgot that young man, and he put him in the places he wanted him to be for such a time as this, as Esther said. But God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. I'd like to read just a little paragraph from Corey Tinboon. Often I've heard people say how good God is 
We prayed that it would not rain for our church picnic and look at the lovely weather. Yes, God is good when he sends good weather. But God was also good when he allowed my sister Betsy to starve to death before my very eyes in a German concentration camp. I remember on one occasion when I was very discouraged there, everything around us was dark and there was darkness in my heart. I remember telling my sister Betsy that I said, God has forgotten us. Betsy said this, no, Corey, he has not forgotten us. Remember his word, for as high as the heavens above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Corey concluded saying, there is an ocean of God's love available. There is plenty for everyone. May God grant you never to doubt the victorious love whatever the circumstance. I'm convicted at the times when things just haven't been going my way and I've yelled, God, you have forgotten me. And then I begin to remind him of all the good things I've done for him. Oh, but Lord... At 14, you saved me. At 16, Lord, I started preaching your word. Don't you remember that? I went to youth outings. I went to every church that would have me, and I would go preach, Lord. Don't you remember? Don't you remember I went to a Christian college to study how to preach for you? Don't you remember that even, you know, at 20 years old, I took my first ministry? Don't you remember this? I've given my life. I'm convicted of the times when I need to remind God of what I've done for him. And then to blame him and say, and you've just forgotten me. I've never had to watch a sibling starve to death. I've never had my own siblings hate me to the point that they try to kill me. I've never had to be a slave. I've never been thrown into prison and forgotten. God never forgot his, his servant. He had a dream for that young man, Joseph. Now we know that dream, you're going to save not only your people, you're going to save the world. I'm going to put you in that position. That was my dream for you. I haven't forgotten. These are just the steps that I have to do to get you there. But Joseph, he never forgot God. He, he proved it. Has our interpretation God's deal? Why are we worried about this? Tell me your dream. God will give us the interpretation. Didn't blink an eye. He was still faithful. When you feel like you've been forgotten, stay faithful. Stay faithful. You don't need to remind God of all the good things you've done. He knows. Just stay faithful. God never forgot that young man, Joseph, and he has not forgotten you. 
He created you just to be his own. He has given himself. He bought you with a great price. And he continually is at work in your life. He lays himself out for you continually. He has not forgotten you. And he has a dream, a plan just for you. Worship team, I'm going to ask you if you will come. During one of my times of feeling forgotten, during a time when I just felt like I don't even know why I'm praying, I don't even know why I'm crying out to the Lord, is he even hearing any of my prayers? We were attending a church, and um, the, I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't even know if I shared this with them. But we were attending this church, and this, um, this song... I didn't share this for Sue to pick this song, by the way. She picked this song, and then I thought, well, maybe I should share this. So the worship leader led this song, and I stood in that church that day, ball of my eyes out, and this, it was my song. And uh, then he asked me a few weeks later, he said, could you fill in for me on a Sunday? I'm going to be gone, and would you lead worship? And I thought, yeah, and I knew. Man, we got to sing this song, and we did. And um, then the very next week, I teased him later. I said, maybe evidently you didn't listen to last week's service because he did it again. I said, I just did that last week. And he said, I could sing it every day. And I said, yeah, me too. Then I thought, okay, all's good. You know, we're good. I'm through it. And then I started teaching at Mansfield Christian. And last year, many of you know this because many of you are friends with this family and even knew this person. One of our young ladies, a senior, uh, was diagnosed with cancer and passed away last year. And, um, well, 2019, was, I, I think it was, yeah, she passed away. And uh, this song, the, the guy that was leading our chapel for that service right after that did this song, and it kind of hit me again. And so maybe today this is your song. Maybe today you feel as if God has forgotten me. I've been crying out to him. I've been praying. My heart's broken, but God has forgotten me. And maybe today as we sing this, like me, we'll feel a little more convicted and realize I don't need to remind God of anything. He knows. He has not forgotten you, nor will he ever forget you. He loves you. He bought you with a great price. You are his. He lives within you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to pray. We'll sing this song together. Lord Jesus, today as we come, we need you. We need you. And maybe today we, we need to hear from you. We need that soft voice to whisper in our ear. Just saying, I've not forgotten you. I love you. Let us hear that from you today. Because all of us at times feel forgotten, overlooked, passed by. And that's going to be a part of this world as long as we live here. But Lord, let us never forget you. Let us always be faithful. Let us remember you have not forgotten us. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your love to us. And let us just hear from you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.